And you'll notice the first reading of Advent is actually, it, it traditionally is, starts with the second coming of Jesus, looking out ahead. Um, and so that's why that, that was the text that they read there. Um, and, and accordingly, I'm going to talk today about hope. What is hope? How has Jesus brought hope? And we're going to do something kind of interesting for these four Sundays of Advent. We're going to basically utilize this moment to to read the biblical story of Advent, but we're going to use one passage of Scripture to talk about all four of the Sundays. And and so, I mean, you can just do it kind of like a Where's Waldo thing if you can find all four topics here, which are hope, joy, love, hope, joy, peace, and love. Um, we're going to do it all out of this this passage here. It, Romans is kind of the the magnum opus of what is the gospel. And so it's really uh, kind of a fun little thing we're doing here to put the gospel at the center of what Jesus has done. So I'm going to read this, say a prayer, and then talk about hope. So here's, here's the passage that we'll be looking at. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I'm going to focus on this phrase today, hope of the glory of God. And what I want to pray is simply this, Father, do in us and for us what words could never do. As Tim was praying that you want to give us a revelation of your glory, we we say in the words of Moses at Mount Sinai, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory that you will awaken in us hope that is indestructible and irrepressible. Thank you that this is exactly what you want to do in us so we can trust you to do it. Through Jesus, I pray. Amen. So I'm just going to take a little time to, to tease out what is this hope of the glory of God mean? I've read Romans 5, 1 through 8 many, many times. Maybe you have too. And I'll be honest, that, that's a phrase that I just kind of went over quick. Just because it was like, hope of the glory of God. Yeah, it's something good, I suppose. You know, uh, I was mostly just thrilled that I'm justified by faith and have peace with God and stand in grace. That I can't earn his favor. The message translation says, because of what Jesus has done, everything's okay between us and him. Everything's okay. It's the greatest thing that has ever happened. But then Paul goes on to say, but we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that caught my attention a couple of weeks ago. I thought, what does that mean? And so, so that's where I'm just going to invite you into the, the little uh, journey I've been on. Hope is a thing about expectation. Hope is always about the future. Paul says about hope, he says, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? I've realized an an ongoing argument I have with God 
is, is not that I don't believe that he can fix everything, is why isn't it already fixed? You ever felt that way? I'm just irritated that it's not all fixed yet. But, but it's clear that the normal stance we take as followers of Jesus is that, yes, we experience God's goodness and His mercy, His grace being set right with God right now, but we're also in a place where hope is our natural habitat. That there's a not yet. But here's the good thing about hope. It's the expectation of good. The expectation of good. See, if it's not good, if it's expectation of bad, I think we call that dread. Anybody know the feeling of dread? Maybe some of us get it Sunday nights, right? The weekend's over. It's starting again tomorrow morning. But through Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, we have expectation of good. But here's the deal. What good? What good? What kind of good are we expecting? You know, if, if your sights aren't set on the glory of God kind of good, then, you know, if the last touchdown doesn't get scored, your next day's not going very well. It's, I'm, I'm just be, I, I was talking about the Michigan game. I, I, <laughs> Jeff Portman's wearing his Michigan sweatshirt this morning. He doesn't care about Bedlam whatsoever. <laughs> I want to look at what if we're hoping in the glory, the hope, the object of our hope, this good is defined as the glory of God, according to Paul. What does that mean? And so we see Paul defining the glory of God in two major ways. The first is it's it's all about God. And Paul, Paul's a, you know, he's a good Jew. He, he'd studied with Gamaliel. He, he was a good Pharisee. He, he knew the scriptures. And so when you look back in the Old Testament, one of the most common Hebrew words for the glory of God is kavod. And, and what it means is the weight of God's presence. The weight of God's being. And, 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 and the, the word kavod is used, used very often with like these moments where God shows up on the scene like Mount Sinai. Could you be, imagine looking at a mountain and at the top of the mountain is fire and clouds and lightning and, and, and a trumpet blaring. Could you imagine that there's a, a weight of God's presence to the degree that Israel says, can God stop talking, please? Because this is freaking us out. Kavod is, is when, is when uh, Solomon dedicates the temple and, and the priests literally pass out from the presence of God. They can't stand. It's, it's, it's when God shows up in the tabernacle with uh, Moses and Aaron, it's it's when Ezekiel is in Babylon and he sees this vision, and from a long way off, it looks like there's fire and clouds, and it's this overwhelming, like chariot thing that God's in. It's this moment, the weight of God's presence. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced anything like that before. 
I, I, I've, I've, I've had moments where I, I really think I have. The ones that are some of the most memorable to me. Of course, maybe you felt that in worship services where you sense there's something a little bit more going on than you realize. But I'm talking about the weight of God's presence. You ever had a moment where you thought you've been praying and then you just all of a sudden said, who do I think I'm talking to? Have you ever felt that way? Well, you have a realization that I'm just not talking like my coworker at work. I'm talking about the infinite Lord of, of all glory who's made everything from universe to atoms. I, I, I've had a few times when I woke up in the middle of the night <laughs> and, and I just had this moment where it was just like a shock through my body and I lose my breath. Who is this God that I say I know? I love the intimacy and familiarity that we have with a lot of our modern worship music with God. But the only thing we miss is some of the, the, the size of the terrible beauty. Beauty that'll make you pass freaking out. And so Paul, he, he, he comes to the table of, of the letters he's written, knowing all this in his history. As a good Jew, knowing the history of when God has appeared, he, when he appears to split the Red Sea in two and do these crazy unthinkable things. And so when Paul describes the glory of God, in Romans 1 he calls it God's invisible attributes, eternal power and divine nature. He talks about God's radiance. Like, you gotta use this metaphor of, of like light, you know, the, 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 the sun's shining. Anybody stared at the sun a little bit too long? The radiance of God's being, God's might, that His strength is in them. We tell you, we use the, the word beauty, but it's, it's not the, you know, just, just the idea of, oh, isn't that delicate and beautiful? It's, it's beauty that'll kick you onto your tail. Paul talks about the riches of God's presence, that it's almost like, it's hard for me not to think of, I know that's, this is not the deal, but God's like sitting on a pile of gold coins or something. But, but it's the riches of God's presence that he's, he's, he's sharing things with us. That's what his glory's like. Paul says the gospel is the glory of God. So that the glory of God isn't just about God statically being himself, but then what God does shows off there's something about it that's radiant. The fact that God himself would become one of us and come to people who've made their own mess, undeserving, and die on their behalf is glorious. Shows the infinite intelligence and genius and beauty of God. And Paul summarizes up the glory of God in Jesus. One of my favorite prayers to pray, I'm praying for a Muslim man and I'm praying over and over again, God, will you shine, it's from 2 Corinthians 4, shine the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus to this person. That's Paul's letters. That the, in the face of Jesus, we see the, the brightness of God's presence, the power of his beauty. In the face of Jesus. Paul knew this probably better than anybody else. Because the first time he saw Jesus on his way to Damascus. It blinded him. 
Paul's vision of Jesus took away his sight. It was so strong. You look throughout the New Testament. When Jesus appears, my favorite picture of Jesus is in Revelation 1. It says that Jesus has eyes like fire, face like a sun. When he speaks, it sounds like a cataract, rushing waters. So that John, when he sees Jesus, passes out again. Everyone's passing out around God in his glory. I mean, I just absolutely love it. I love it. So, God, God is revealed. His glory is revealed in his being. Really, a way you could say it is in who he is and what he does. Glory is attributed to him over and over again for saving, for rescuing. But not only that, here's what's really amazing. Paul sees God's glory not just in God, but in us. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You see this ark, and it really, is the, the, the letter to the Romans, we see it going all the way from Romans 1 through Romans 8, this ark of the description of the glory of God and humanity. Now, Paul, again, being a good Jew, has Genesis in mind and knows that humanity was created in the image, the reflection, the, the expression of the glory of God. And so Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, that humanity is the image and glory of God. Think about that for a second. That when God made us, he's imagined, I'm going to, I'm going to show off the power and beauty of my being by making you. So, but as we look at Romans, because that's, that's the kind of the underlying assumption that we're going to have anytime Paul's talking about humanities, it started there. But it's, and he says that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clear, clearly under, uh, seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You look at a sunset. You, you look at the mountains. You, you, you just deal with the, the, the law of gravity <laughs> that it keeps on happening. You see that God exists. There's something glorious about God. But, but the human story is though, although they, meaning we humans, knew God, they neither glorified him, attributed to God, the, the glory due him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And here's the thing. In exchange, the glory of the immortal God. The size of God, the God on Sinai, the God who split a sea in half. Exchange the glory of God for images made to look like a mortal human being. In birds, in animals, in reptiles. Now you might say, I'm not worshiping any lizards that I can think of. But made to look like a mortal human being. Like that perfect person I could look like if I didn't eat the extra piece of pecan pie. That successful person exchanging the glory of God for these other finite things. And so Paul says that this is, this is the, the demise, the, 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 the trap, the, 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 the marsh that humanity finds itself in is we exchange God's glory for idols. 
But then, and, and so here's what happens to us. God gives, them a, gives us over to sinful desires. These desires arise in our hearts. Say, okay, I guess if that's what you want to do. Depraved mind, they do what they ought not to be done. And we are, that says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Think about this for a second. That we who are made to be the glory of God through sin, through, through not giving God the glory he deserves, actually damage our expression of God's glory. We became less than human. We, we, we don't completely lose it, but we become something less than ourselves. All have sinned. And what happens? We fall short of God's glory. But this is, again, the glory of God in the gospel. Right after that sentence, Paul says, for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And... All are justified, made righteous, made right, set right, put back into joint freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Everything is set right with God through Jesus, his death, taking on the deformity of human nature and taking the logical consequence. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is. That's just the logical consequence of deformity out of the image of God. And then we come to our passage. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we receive that whole thing by simply trusting in Jesus. We are on the path to completely being at peace with God. Nothing between us. And being transformed into his image simply by trusting Jesus. Faith in Jesus sets humanity right with God. But then we have the phrase we're looking at today. So we have, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus. We've also obtained access by faith into, the, into this grace in which we stand. The space, by the way, God is not irritated with us. How do you know? Because I do stupid things. I know, but I'm standing in a place of grace because of my faith in Jesus. I'm standing constantly in a place of God's favor for my life because of my faith in Jesus, what Jesus has done. I, do I deserve this? Absolutely not. That's the point. And then we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's this future thing going on. And so Paul goes on to write in Romans 8. By the way, anytime you're looking at a passage of scripture, you got to look. If there's a therefore, look at the therefore. Why is the there? Got to know what's a therefore, therefore. Does that make sense? So we looked ahead, and now we're looking after. Where's Paul going? He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In us humans. Something of God's, the weight of his being, the, the original intention of us, of being the expression of God's glory, is going to be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It's like sitting around the Christmas tree, all of creation cannot wait for the sons and daughters of God to emerge because of how glorious it's going to be. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, 
but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So this, this, this whole future thing, it just keeps on going so that Paul says that in all things, God works for the good of those who loved him, who have been called according to his purpose. And look what this trajectory is for those who put their faith in Jesus, called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The image of what we were intended to be, what God dreamed, is represented to us in Jesus. Jesus is the restored image of God. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. So that this, this, this aim is God's glory in the future being fully revealed to and in his kids. The weight of God in his beauty that makes us frail little humans pass out when we just get a little dose is what's going to be revealed in us and to us. And Paul, he unpacks this over and over again. He says that the hope of glory, it's Christ in us. Think about that. That the very image of God is not God doing a project from a distance, but he's saying, how about we do this? We'll stick Jesus in you and you're kind of like a paper mache thing that will fit around him. That's he'll reform us. I don't know if it actually works that way. I wish it would be just God just goes and just pops up, but it doesn't seem to work that way for me. Maybe it does for you. Paul says that we're going to share in the glory of Jesus as if the glory of God were like a meal. We could be sitting at and ingesting in ourselves. He, he, he says this, that unlike Moses, Moses, who actually went up on this mountain where there was fire, trumpets, lightning, clouds. He goes into it. He sees God. God actually writes on tablets. But he says, here's the problem with that. Moses came down. His face was so bright, he had to put a veil on. But guess what? That was a glory that's passing away. Those who put their faith in Jesus are going to have glory. Instead of having a veil on because the glory passes away, we're actually seeing God with unfading glory. Those with unveiled, unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory of being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's like this, that we somehow he makes us strong enough to have a vision of God that transforms us into the glory of God. Really cool thing. Our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we wait a way to Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he returns, will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's a resurrected physical body. A body that doesn't die. Says everyone with back pain, Hallelujah. And here's the cool thing. Not only that, we already read this, that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay 
and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So God's glory is fully revealed to and in the children of God and all of creation. Guys, this is so significant. I mean, where I start, and I've said this many times, is mosquitoes. That's something that needs redemption, I think. And I know there's, there's what are they, etymologists, entomologists, that are probably deeply offended by this. Um, Think about it. All that we see that we know is out of joint in creation. Human governments. Injustice. Poverty. Greed. Hatred. Is all going to be transformed and liberated from that bondage to decay. As the glory of God is revealed in the children of God, he's going to set everything right. So, hope of the glory of God is this expectation of good. And this good is the glory of God is about God and the power and beauty of God and who he is and what he does. Not only that, in humanity... We'll be able to see and know God's glory. Now, now you can understand why this, this is not something I can just talk about and it really does much. It's like, it's like trying to, over the phone, describe a sunset to somebody. Right? Hey, have you ever been like at a glorious like mountain range or something? Like, I got to take a picture of this and share this. And you take it and it sucks all the size out of it. You're like, that doesn't look interesting at all. You have no idea what I'm experiencing. And, and so what's interesting is, is trying to preach a sermon about this is, is pretty futile. Unless you know that you are being prepared and made to actually yourself see the glory of God. To know the glory of God. To be in the presence of God. The God who could knock you dead in seconds just by being there. And saying, I want you to be close to me. And that what's going to happen is that transforms us into God's glory. That we become receptacles and dittos of God's glory. And all of creation, this is the hope that we have when we hope in the glory of God. So, I'll put this back in context for the, for the passage. I'll just look at the first two verses. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Another way you could say this, my own little translation. We rejoice in the expectation to know God in his power and beauty. And for him to transform everything in me and around me into an expression of his glory. Everything in me and around me to an expression of the weight of his power and beauty. This is our hope. So, ideas. At some point, you know, talk is cheap. 
lot of words. Jesus said, if you hear my words and don't do anything with them, you're like a person who built their house on. Yeah, but if you put my words into practice, it's like a person you built your house on. Right. So we want to put into practice his words. So if you're like me, that when, when you've read this sentence, you know, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It never really hit my radar. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay. That sounds churchy. <laughs> Anybody go to church where people just say glory to God for no reason? You know, it just felt like Jesus-y. Um, you might need this. If you need to experience God's glory in a way it's 3D, there's a simple prayer Moses prayed in Exodus 33:18. Show me your glory. Feel his presence. Here's the thing. He wants to more than we want it. I mean, he wants to so much. He's got so much to give that he said to Moses, you're not going to be able to look on me and stay alive. So I'm going to let you stand right here, put a hand over it, and when I walk by, you can see my backside. It's this goodness. It's brilliance. Maybe, maybe you're in a spot, you're like, eh, I don't know. Okay, I just dare you to pray this. Oh my goodness, guys, we live in a world that's, it's as old as time, it's as old as the Garden of Eden, that scoffs at the idea of the glory of God. Why? Because we're arrogant. We've exchanged the glory of God for finite things, like success like a life the way I thought it should have gone. Just temporary, low-level expectations. We, some of us, like me, like God's, he's breaking me of this. I turned 50 this year, so that's, that is, I, part of it's just fatigue, why I no longer believe some of my idols, that I'm going to be famous and powerful and respected by all. So Jesus, to help me, send us COVID. You know, I, I'm joking. There's a lot of theological things I didn't mean to say. I didn't think God sent COVID just for my personal development. These are weird times, man. I get a lot of emails. <laughs> it's not as funny as you think. But <laughs> Could it be? That our vision of our own lives is just too small. And our disappointment is because we exchanged the glory of God for something finite. I should have had this much money by this time in my life. My kids should have turned out like, what, you, you, you write it in. Paul didn't say anything. Paul didn't say that God is saying, and God promises you to fulfill every one of your wish dreams about your life. He says, no, it's, it's, it's infinitely higher. It's the hope of the glory of God, of being able to share in God's glory and be transformed into His glory. Something infinitely higher. So if this seems a little obtuse or, or kind of ethereal and out there, just ask God to show you His glory. You might be surprised at how He shows it to you. 
I get to see the glory of God all the time. Part of it's because I'm starting to know what to look for. Part of it's Anthony Nix standing on this row and singing his guts out in worship to Jesus. Young man who, who's got all kinds of challenges, but he knows when I come here, I, get a, I, I can just freely sing. And if you haven't heard him, you haven't been very close. <laughs> he is amazing. See, the glory of God. I'll tell you, I got the glory of God last night. Uh, we did a little, my parents are in town, so we did a little birthday thing for me, which is early. But the glory of God is my nephew, Jude, who's six, seven. He gave me two quarters of his own money because he wanted to give me a penny for every one of my years. That just, oh. Right? Oh, the infinite beauty of God. I'm seeing it. Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let's take just a minute and ask that of the Lord. Because it's going to be a prayer. We're going to pray together after this. But what if we what if we were courageous enough just to, you know, he's good. He loves us. You're like, wait, the glory of God kills you. Yeah, okay, don't worry about that. <laughs> hey, if it kills you, what a great death, right? That'd be just really, really sweet. But I don't think he will. Um, he's not going to let us off that easy. He got stuff for us to do around here. So let's just let's just sit with the Lord. And if you feel comfortable, you don't have to say it out loud or anything like that. But we're going to be quiet for a minute. And you just ask the Lord, show me your glory. You're experiencing something of the Lord. Don't let me distract you. Just stay there with Him. What I love about the fact that we're doing this in silence is we can be fooled at times to think if the music were only at the crescendo, you know, or if all the circumstances are just right, 
that his glory will come. It's, it's not true at all. If it can't come wherever we are, then it's not God's glory. There's God's glory showing up in brothels today. How? Jesus coming to rescue and to save. Ways we don't even know. There's, there's, they're coming up in some of the worst places in the world that God transforming humanity through faith in Jesus to what we were meant to be. It's showing up, some of us even just simply kindness. The glory of God is showing up. Maybe this is something we could do throughout the week. Just show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. There's another practice we could do. So show me your glory. Simple, simple prayer. I want you to think of a situation that may, you may be aware of that seems hopeless. It could be deeply personal. It could be national. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. God is the biggest. So he ain't afraid of nothing. Think of a situation. Hopeless would mean I cannot see a good outcome. I cannot expect good. At least that's where I think I'm at. Okay. So we're going to pray a prayer together. Just in simple trust. Simple trust. I like, sometimes it helps me to, when I say, you know, our faith in Christ is justified. I like to use the word trust because it just makes it for me a little more personal. Do I trust God to save me? To forgive me? Yeah. And so I'm going to show you this little prayer I wrote. Um, and I'm going to let you read it first and see if you can agree with it. Written prayers are wonderful. They help kind of gather our thoughts. The Bible's full of them. <laughs> if you will, the Bible is one. So you can see I just took the first two verses of Romans, changed language. Because I trust in Jesus, I have peace with you. There's nothing between us. It's all good. I live in your grace. I'm favored by God. I'm favored by God right now. And I can confidently expect to know you, God, in your power and beauty. And for you to transform everything in me and around me into an expression of your glory Everything is going to be all right. I could have started with that phrase, and my wife's going to say, why didn't you? It would have saved us all a lot of time. But some, of them, some people like me, and you need to tease it out a little bit. I don't know if I believe that. Okay, let's stand together. Is it Brian over there? Where's Brian? Brian, can you come on up? Yeah, they're here. I knew I saw you. Some of you guys, this might be super immediate. You're hoping for the glory of God. One of the prayers we are praying for you is that God will continue to destroy the power of religion in our lives. The power that we've got to clean ourselves up to come to church or... I mean, some of you, if you're like me, I had moments, so I've got all my family in town, which means there are moments I'm disappointed in myself, because as I told you, it was our Christmas uh, mantra, it's not Christmas till mom's crying, um, 
She didn't cry, but Andy and I were trying. We got into an argument about, we were like the, the t-shirt, you see the t-shirt said, unvaccinated and ready to talk politics. It's a Christmas sweater. <laughs> so I just had this moment with Andy, I was like, huh, I'm doing this. <laughs> but I didn't stop. <laughs> I'm hoping for the glory of God in me. I'm serious. You ever disappointed yourself like, um, Better than that, I hope. <laughs> oh, hope, hope, hope. Thank you, Lord. So let's, let's pray this out loud together. Because I trust in Jesus, I have peace with you. I live in your grace. And I can confidently expect to know you, God, in your power and beauty. And for you to transform everything in me and around me into an expression of your glory, everything is going to be all right. Amen. I'm going to pray over you for a second. Lord, you heard. Oh, I can feel his presence. He wants to take care of us, guys. You heard what your kids have said. And Lord, I know the temptation that's right at our door is to pick back up despair, to pick back up hopelessness. And so Jesus, make us aware of your glory. Show us your glory. So Lord, even some of us, we were so used, we're so accustomed to expecting the worst in this situation that came to our minds. But God, you have said clearly through Jesus that we can confidently expect your glory to come in us, through us, and around us. I know, Lord, that we don't dictate what that looks like, but it's always better than our highest aspirations because that's what you look like. So give us grace this morning, Jesus. Give us help, favor, that we can't muster up on our own to live in hope of the glory of God. We ask this through Jesus. And everybody said, amen. There's going to be a few folks, if the prayer teams could come up again, if anybody wants to, a little bit of prayer uh, before you head out today, so glad to see you all. God bless you this week.